Steve, come here this second, I command you. Here I am, master. It's 11 p.m. Where are all the trick-or-treaters? Not one brat knocked on the castle door. They are staying home because of the COVID. I told you this several times. Thanks, COVID. Well, what am I going to do with all the fun-sized Abba Zabba bars I have? Oh, I know. Get me the razor blades. I have a donation to make to the village orphanage. <laughs> How about we just eat them while watching a scary movie? With the orphanage or the Abba Zabbas? The, the candy master. Oh, very well. What shall we watch? Return of the Living Dead? Nah, too funny. How about the Amityville Horror? If I wanted to see walls bleed, I would just go to the haunted games room here in the castle. Oh, I know. How about some J-horror? You know how I feel about the subtitles. I know. How about the 1996 Island of Dr. Moreau? Steve! I wanted to watch something scary, not something that will make me puke my guts out. Welcome back, kids, to our second Halloween show of late seating, where we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether its reputation is good and spooky or bad and like diarrhea that's been poured in your lap for some reason. I am Jason. Holy crap, how did you fit that entire cat inside of a mouse harding? And I am Steve. Put me on my back and show me. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> and I am Steve. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna get. You have nothing, do you? you I just... got. No, I got something. Just wait. Just give me. You're a trying second. to make a sexy metaphor. I, no, thing. It's, it's not sexy. Not... I am okay. Steve. I am. <laughs> okay, you've lost okay. it. This all goes in I the show. It. I don't care. No, you anymore. have to cut this out. The people can't hear it this. It is not. Don't, no, let them, don't let them hear all the flubs, please. They're gonna know who the professional is who came to play, and the other guy was just wandering around the parking lot wearing where's the turnstiles so that I can get in and even watch it. You know the best He's part? wearing the wrong team's colors. <laughs> you know the best part is when I finally get to it? It's so not gonna be worth it. Okay. And now he completely breaks okay, character. Okay, here we go, here we go. And this is Steve. Put me on my back so you can see why they call me the human rocking chair shives. You're right, it wasn't I working. told you so. Uh, you started with put me on my back and show me, I thought it was going to be show me oh, a good time shives. No, you, oh. And I was going to say, how is that spooky? But then I remembered mine was, which was how did you fit a cat inside of a mouse, which just doesn't make any sense. I mean, I wanted it to be gross, but it just sounds like a cooking show now. How did you get a cat inside that mouse? <laughs> anyway, hey, kids, it's our second Halloween episode, and now we're going to do what is supposed to be a spooky movie based from a book that isn't supposed to be a spooky book, is it, Steve? No, not so much, no. It's one of those social commentary books that H.G. Wells likes to write. Well, it's like, not anymore. Hey, I'm, <laughs> hey you think you're reading a, a scary story about Martians invading England? Well, it's actually about the expansionist policies of the British Empire. Uh, 
I hate when they get political. Really? I hate it. Just shut up and write. I don't want to hear your political opinions, H.G. Wells. Oh, that's, oh, you know what? We have him buried out back. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll bury him, him and you can I, shout at hey, his corpse. Hey, George, fuck you. <laughs> what movie are we, we going are, to be reviewing this time around? We are going to review the super spooky, I guess, 1996 version of The Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, you, are you sure we're not doing the 1977 kind of looks like a made-for-TV movie version ah, of The Island oh, of Dr. Oh, Moreau? Definitely, definitely. With Burt Lancaster? No, oh, Burt Lancaster is definitely not in this one. No, 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 no. Are you no. sure we're not watching the 1930s Island of Lost Souls? We're not watching that one either. Bela Lugosi was in it. Ah. It's not great. I mean, none of them are good. <laughs> we're watching the 96 Why? one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know, well, I know. Uh, time for my elixir, I guess. Gluck, gluck, gluck. Okay. Hey, everybody, I'm back. Yay. I'm so glad I only turned into a monster for the Halloween episodes. Steve, what uh, about well, you? I mean, you well, ex- except for off mic. I mean, you, you, people don't realize off mic you talk like that all the time. Don't. What are you doing? Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, yes, only twice a year. That's right. I'm going to beat you. Anyway, um... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, hey, Steve. Uh-huh. Do you have any trivia for this fucking thing? Oh, no, man. This was such an uneventful production. Nothing no, nothing interesting happened while they were making this movie. Goddamn unnecessary exploratory surgery of a movie. God. Okay, so um, to call this a troubled production would be a bit of an understatement. Yes. John Frankenheimer was not the original director. Frankenheimer Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Every time we say his name, I want to say that. John Frankenheimer, Jingleheimer Schmidt. That's my name, too. And whenever I go out, the people always shout, the Manchurian Canada is kind of overrated. Oh, damn. (laughs) So he was not the original director. He was hired to replace Richard Stanley, who was the original director, who had developed the movie for four years and then was fired mm-hmm. by the studio after only four days of principal photography because they felt like he just he had completely lost control of the production. Um, which he had. Which he had. Yeah, to be, in, in all fairness, which he totally had. And things didn't go all that much better under Frankenheimer either. Uh, uh, nope. It's a, a lot of that was was due to circumstances beyond anybody's control. Uh, Marlon Brando's mm-hmm. daughter had just committed suicide shortly before filming yeah. this movie, so that was so you know you couldn't really do a whole lot about that. That was a tragedy. He went to his island and yeah. he wanted to grieve, and yeah. he should have been. He was allowed to do that. Yeah, because you should allow people to grieve. Yeah, that is not something that Richard Stanley had any control over. Yeah, right, exactly. He did have control over hiring Marlon Brando. But they figured his name would pull yeah. more resources into the film, and and it did, and it and it, it virtue. If you read like notes for the production and and accounts of you know people telling the like sort of oral history stuff uh, about this movie, like almost everybody involved was involved because wanted they wanted to work with Brando. they wanted to work with Brando, yeah. Because this was but late in his. They should have known better. Yes, because they weren't getting like 1970s Brando. They were getting they 1990s Brando. They didn't want. They didn't even want 70s Brando. They wanted like 60s, 50s Brando. Oh, of course. They wanted like they thought they were going to be. Oh, it's, oh, the guy from On the Waterfront. They didn't want. I'm done with this um, shit, Brando. They right. didn't want the. I don't give a fuck about any production, Brando. Right. Which is what they got. Yeah. Um, so that was there was that. Uh, Val Kilmer's wife filed for divorce. And, uh, and now here's the thing. Yeah. I'm going to say this right now. Please. 
That's the excuse he made for his absolutely asinine behavior on set. Yes, that's true. And I would, despite yeah. the fact that they, you know, I don't care if you're getting a divorce or whatever, doesn't does not excuse being an absolute dick and wasting a. And you know me, guys. I hate the studios. I do. But you don't have the right to mistreat other actors, mistreat production crew, and 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 waste a production company's money because you're just a jackass. I don't care if you're getting a divorce. Don't do the movie if that's the case. Quit. That's the thing you should do. Well, yeah, there, there is. is I, I, yeah, I, I don't mean to say that. Like, it, yeah, you, I agree with you completely. Like, it doesn't excuse his because he was a fucking reportedly and he has admitted to most of this himself like in sense like he he was a fucking asshole he was a monster mm-hmm. he was he he mistreated members of the crew terribly he was late to the set he argued and bickered with the director constantly about you know how to do a scene he was awful he was awful and the fact that he was getting divorced was no excuse for that whatsoever um mm-hmm. here's the worst incident you ready yeah Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer hated each other. Hated yeah, each other. Yeah. Didn't want to work with each other. Big surprise. Hmm. <laughs> but there was an evening where Brando wouldn't come out of his trailer until Kilmer would come out of his trailer, and Kilmer wouldn't come out of his trailer until Brando <laughs> came out of his yes, trailer. Yes, I know the story. It's ridiculous. So here's the problem with this there are 23 people in animal makeup, which are these heavy costumes. Heavy makeup. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. It takes three hours to put on, and they're sweating buckets because they're in the tropical part of Australia. These people do not deserve to have to go through. I know they're getting paid, but yeah. they don't deserve to get prepped and ready. The lighting people don't deserve to get prepped and ready. All the 200 people waiting for two assholes to act like children to come on set. I've said it before, and I've said it again. If someone is problematic, I don't care how famous they are, they will inevitably be more trouble than they're worth Mm -hmm. every single time. And that's what this, you know, even after Frankenheimer got in, those two were his biggest problems. It's not like, oh, they, you know, their vision was too big and they didn't have enough money. It was none of that bullshit. It was because of who they hired. That's just basically bottom line. Well, yeah, and and I think we've I know we've talked about this before in recent shows. Like, there's there there's like there's there's never any excuse for it, you know. Mm. Like, there's no like, well, it's part of his method, or you know, it's just part of his process. He needs to be, you know, if, mm-hmm. if the character is an asshole, then he needs to be an asshole too. Like, that's I that's that's bullshit, yeah. Yeah. you know. Like, it doesn't, you know. Um, but yeah, so there was that. Um, mul- okay. Multiple actors who were supposed to be in the film left and had to be replaced. Oh yeah. And 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 to top it all off, at one point they were struck by a hurricane. So yeah, it they was, were struck by a hurricane. <laughs> so it was not a very smooth production. Uh, this is also the film where uh, Marlon Brando used an earpiece to have his lines fed to him. And, which he's done before. Which he had done before, but this and and uh, David Thewlis told the story. He claims that Brando, rather than 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 try to hide it, Brando would make light of it on the set by pretending that he was receiving police radio signals, and he would stop mm-hmm. takes. He would stop takes, and he would go, "There's a robbery at Woolworths," because he, <laughs> and then <laughs> give us our money back. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> We've been here for 16 hours. We've shot one half of a page. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, um, there's a scene in the movie where he has an ice bucket on his head. Yes, there is. And that was his idea. That was, not, that was his idea. It wasn't in the script. And he came up with it two hours before they were going to shoot the scene that he was in. So the prop maker had to rush out and create this ice bucket that was going to go onto his head that served no purpose, did not push the story forward. It was just because Marlon Brando is a dick. <laughs> That's it. He said, I want an ice bucket on my head. Now, there was some pushback to some of the things that Marlon wanted. Do you know what one of them is, Steve? Uh, I don't. Not off the top of my head. At one point, Marlon Brando wanted to take off his hat, and there would be a blowhole on <gasps> his head. Oh, yes. Because he's a porpoise. That's that's part of the ice bucket thing. he was a porpoise. That's part of the ice bucket thing, yes. Because I think, yeah, when uh, I think Frankenheimer said, why would he have an ice bucket on his head and that was Brando's explanation is oh he's secretly transformed himself into a dolphin man and he, that's where the blowhole is it's like mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. okay great <laughs> thanks Marlon <laughs> thankfully they didn't bother to follow up on that one cause it was stupid hey hey Steve <laughs> yes this movie came out in 96. Yes, it did. What movie came out in 77 where he was also making such helpful suggestions as, you know what, I think Jor-El w- should appear as an apple or a briefcase. <laughs> uh, that would be Superman. And unbeknownst to you, my friend, because you have not seen my notes, um, that was my final bit of trivia. Is oh, that, that <clears throat> just by sheer coincidence, and because and, some of this has happened since this movie was made, but... Um, mm. The uh, arguably the well, the the three main actors and one of the major supporting actors in this movie have all appeared in live action DC Comics movies. Uh, Brando, of course, as you just said, played Jor-El in Superman. Right. Uh, Val Kilmer played Batman in Batman Forever, which was just the year before this. Uh, Just a couple of years ago, so well after this, uh, David Thewlis was in Wonder Woman. Oh, that's right. And uh, Temuera Morrison, who plays one of the the major hybrid creatures in this, uh, was in both Green Lantern and Aquaman. So there you go. Uh, Oh, he was in Aquaman. For some reason, somebody at the DC Films (laughs) was like a big fan of Dr. Moreau, was like, got to put him in here. (laughs) I have some trivia. I would love to hear your trivia. So... There is a documentary called Lost Soul, The Doom Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah. And a lot is revealed in regards to Richard Stanley up to the point where he was fired, which was about two weeks into shooting. And while I would like to say it was a nervous um, production company that felt he had lost control of the production, that might have been part of it. But Richard Stanley had some things about him that was rubbing the studio the wrong way. For example, it is typical that the director would meet with the production company, mm-hmm. you know, meet at an office somewhere, and just talk about things that are going on with the production. But Richard Stanley instead rented a house with this nice pool and several floors, and he'd say, no, no, I don't need to meet anybody. If they want to talk to me, they can come to the house. And he never met with them once. Oh. And if you want to make a bunch of production people really nervous, try that shit. <laughs> make pretend that it isn't a collaborative effort to make a movie, but instead, they'll come to the king. They'll come <laughs> to the king if they wish to speak. <laughs> they fired him by fax. They I do, I do know that. I do know that, yeah. And then at one point... <laughs> in. 
And so he just disappeared. No one knew where he went after he left. He just left, right? Yeah. Feruza Balk said, I'm going to quit. And someone had to talk her out of it because they basically said, if you quit, we'll ruin your career. We'll never hire you again. And we'll tell other production companies not to hire you. And so then, because she was taking a limo from the production site, you know, hundreds of miles in this limo. And then she turned around and came back because she wanted her career. It didn't work. Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> He just disappeared. What he did was he went to this other house that was nearby the shooting location and just kind of sulked in the darkness. And then one day he snuck onto set, put on one of the animal costumes, and he can be seen in the background of one of the scenes, <laughs> and no one knew he was there. <laughs> it, became a, uh, it became a legend because he wouldn't confirm or deny, but in the documentary he confirms it. Oh. And also he kept the, the fucking mask that he was wearing. It was a, he was a dog man or something like that. Okay, Steve. You want to know who made it? Not really, but I mean, it's part of our Me it's part of our format. We should probably do it. I know. <laughs> it was directed by John Frankenheimer, and you know him. He directed The Manchurian Candidate and The Birdman, Birdman of, Alcatraz. of Alcatraz. Yeah, and that's it, really. <laughs> <laughs> he made us some other stuff, but nothing that you guys would know. I mean, you might. Maybe you're a huge Frankenheimer fan, or you're angry at me now because I didn't list all, all of his movies. I never list anybody's all of their movies anyway. So. Also, a, a, a very important director in the early days of television, especially yeah. live TV. Right. Yeah. It was produced by Edward R. Pressman, and you'll know him from other movies that he's produced, like Das Boot, Conan the Barbarian, and Masters of the Universe. Oh, that classic. And about, and about a million gajillion other films. He has a lot of hits. He has a lot of misses. <laughs> I don't know what his batting average is. <laughs> screenplay by Richard Stanley. We talked about it. He, he did write the screenplay for this. The screenplay, original screenplay, was much different, in which he envisioned a world where all of these animal hybrids lived and worked together in big cities. It was a lot like Zootopia, I guess. Hmm. Um, but that was considered expenses, expensive beyond all the money that all the movie studios had. <laughs> so there was no way they were going to be able to do it. So he worked it down and worked it down and worked it down. Because he says that uh, The Island of Dr. Moreau is one of his favorite books. And I think that maybe he missed the point of that book. But anyway... <laughs> Did he read it? <laughs> He seemed to write the really dark, gross stuff, of which there is stuff in the book that is dark and gross, but that's not what the book is about. Anyway, he wrote the screenplay along with Ron Hutchinson, nothing, <laughs> um, based on The Island of Dr. Moreau by H.G. Wells. Hey, Steve, what do you think the, the book is about? Um, an island with a guy named Dr. Moreau on it. This is H.G. Wells. He can't write anything without some sort of social commentary in it. I would guess... Uh, I don't know. I'm just going to throw a dart at the wall and say racism. There's part of that in there. There's part of that in there. At the time, uh, what was super hot when it came to scientists was vivisections. <gasps> oh. And there was a huge number of scientists that were like, please stop this horrible procedure. And H.G. Wells went, mm. and so he wrote a whole book where the primary way that, don't ask me how, um, that Moreau was changing these animals was through live vivisections. And it took place in a, in, in a hut, not a hut, but, you know, in a building that all the animals refer to as the House of Pain. Yeah. And that was for a reason. <laughs> and so um, the island of Dr. Moreau is literally about um, scientific advancement and about how the ways that you get to scientific advancements need to be studied. It's about 
ethics in science. It's not a spook 'em up. <laughs> <laughs> it's never been a spook 'em up. It's never. It was. It doesn't. I mean, Moreau's dead halfway through the book, and the rest of it is about him spending time with all of these poor mutilated creatures. Yeah. And what they have to go through, right? Um, this movie wants to make it about how how can you tell the difference between an animal and a man? It was never about that. Yeah. It was never about that. Makes you think, though. And yeah, and that was like the point of the 1977 movie. And I don't know what the 1930s movie Island of Lost Souls. I don't think they had anything to say about that except the the hero and the the lady get away. Right. There's no lady in the book. Well, there's kind of a lady. She kills Moreau. She's like a cheetah lady, and and they kill. Yeah. She anyway. <clears throat> anyway, H.G.O. Wells wrote it. One of my favorite books, and it's never been done right. It would make a great HBO series. Um. Anyway. <laughs> Starring Marlon Brando as We Wasted Our Money as Dr. Moreau. <laughs> Do you know who Richard Stanley wanted to play Moreau? Um, oh, I, uh, Jürgen Prochnow, right? That's yes, right. Yes, I knew that. One of the most underrated and underused actors ever. He is great. I've loved him in everything that he's been in, like Dune and uh, even that terrible apocalypse movie what was it called the seventh not the seventh seal maybe it was called the seventh seal i don't know it's about it's about the satan uh, <laughs> the satan let's see yeah uh val kilner is dr montgomery you know who got cast before val kilner was this um so here we go with the super fun <laughs> mix and match so, at the beginning of production, Bruce Willis was cast as the Edward Douglas character. But then Bruce Willis said, oh, no, divorce. I guess well, Val Kilner heard that and said, I'm stealing that's that. A good, that's a good idea. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do the movie. So, he left, and they put Val Kilner into the, Edward, into the lead, the Edward Douglas part. But Val Kilmer walked in and said, um, I refuse to do four, I refuse to do 60% of the movie. I'm only going to do 40, I only want 40% of the movie. And they went, shit. So then they took Val Kilmer and then they put him in to the part that James Woods had and they said, fuck you, James Woods, which is fine because I said it a few times this year. And so they put Val <laughs> Kilmer James Woods. as Dr. Montgomery. But before Val Kilmer could play the part of Edward Douglas, uh, before, okay, wait. So then Val Kilmer became Dr. Montgomery and then they needed someone else to play Edward Douglas. Right. So then they hired Rob Morrow. Yes. And he was there for two days, had a mental breakdown, cried on the phone with his agent to get him off the set, and then he was gone. And then they cast David Thewlis as Edward Douglas. Did everybody get that? Because I didn't. <laughs> I still don't know. Feruza Balk as Aesa. And you know her from The Waterboy and Return to Oz and American History X and whatever that witch's movie, yeah, The Craft. The Craft. And um, TV? I guess, <laughs> I yeah. Know. I think she's done. Yeah, she's done, she's she's been she's, in a lot of stuff. She's got a big toothy mouth. <laughs> That's what she's known for, big toothy mouth. Daniel Rigney as Hyena Swine, nothing. Uh, Tamara Morrison as Azello. As Azazello. Azazello. As, as a Zello, and you know him. He just said it. He was an Aquaman, and he was in uh, <laughs> South Green Lantern. And uh, you guys might know him best as Django Fett. Yeah, that's right. And all the clone troopers, except he didn't really play those parts. They were all CGI. 
Nelson De La Rosa as Magi, and he is a two-foot-tall person that was really super popular in Central and South America. And uh, he was originally... So here's some more fun stuff. You ready? Yeah. In the original script, Marco Hofschneider was like the second-hand man Mm -hmm. to Marlon Brando's character. But then Marlon Brando saw... uh, Nelson De La Rosa and just fell in love with him and said, I want him in all of my scenes and I want to talk to him only and I want him to dress like me. And the costumer said, what? (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. Thank God we had to buy mountains of, 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 uh, of fabric for, for Marlon's costumes. We can just take some of that and start making costumes. (laughs) And so basically Brando replaced one of the actors, and so a lot of his lines got cut. Yeah. And the importance of his role got cut out. And he's like, okay, well, at least I'm getting paid to put on all this goddamn makeup to not have any lines. He's just sit around uh, all day. Uh-huh. And then Marlon would play these fun jokes with people where he, because Mar- Marco's German, and he'd say, oh, I see you're German, and he'd say yes, and he'd say, so speak some German, and he'd speak German, and Marlon goes, I don't understand. And then Marlon says, I speak German, and then he'd speak German, and it would be gibberish, and he says, I don't know. And so he'd say it again, and it'd still be gibberish, and he says, I don't know. And then he said, I thought you speak German. Ha, 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 ha. He did it to everybody. If you found out what someone spoke a, spoke a different language, he'd do the same thing to him every single time to make them look like a jackass. I don't like him. I don't like him. Anyway, Peter Elliott as Assassin, um, which was like this baboon dude. Um, but guess who did his voice? Guess who did his it voice? Was, it was a noted voice actor, was it not? It was. Yeah. It was. It was Frank Wilker. I'm looking at. I'm, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to play along and be like, you know, maybe we can do a little cute bit, you know. Yeah, I know. But, but fuck I don't it. Care. Okay, it was Frank Welker. Yeah. In the movie, all of a sudden, one of the animals has a cartoon voice, and I'm like, what? <laughs> huh? <laughs> Why does he sound like one of the Autobots? Uh, Marco Descasos <laughs> as Lomai. And you guys might know him. You'd never recognize him, but he was—he's been in Hawaii Five-O, the reboot TV series, and John Wick Three. Ron Perlman as Sayer of the Law. Do I? Do I need to tell you what else he's been in? You know, it's, hey Steve, it's, name a movie that Ron Perlman's been in. Uh, Hellboy. <laughs> Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim. Um, really, all of the movies that would require him to wear this kind of makeup. Quest. <laughs> Quest for Fire. City of Lost Children. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um. Marco Hofschneider is Maling. We already went over it. And nothing. You know, German stuff. German TV and so. Miguel Lopez as Wagdy. Nothing. And William Hootkins as Kirill. And we know him from Raiders of the Lost Ark, Star Mm -hmm. Wars, Flash Gordon. You know, he's Porkins. And he was Lieutenant Eckhart in Batman. Oh, yeah, I'm Batman. That that timeless role. (laughs) Where he was dubbed for some reason. Music by Gary Chang, and you know his music from The Breakfast Club. Yup, The Breakfast Club to this. And a whole bunch of other stuff. Cinematography by William A. Fraker. He's done uh, cinematography for War Games and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Tombstone. Edited by Paul Rubel, who has edited movies like The Avengers and Transformers. Distributed by New Line Cinema. Release date, August 23rd, 1996. Running time, 96 minutes. Budget, $40 million. Box office, uh-oh. Oh. $49 million. Hey. I don't think it made its marketing money back. Uh-oh. So that's why we didn't I get don't... Dr. Moreau 2? 
more Moreau. The peninsula of Dr. Moreau. (laughs) (laughs) The quiet court of Dr. Moreau. (laughs) The quiet cul-de-sac. There you go. The suburb of Dr. Moreau. Mm -hmm. So if Steve's done checking his Twitter. How dare you. How dare you? Well, that's what you're doing. How dare you? While I talk, you don't pay attention. Just like Twitter, Twitter, oh, Twitter, God, Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, directed what is by Pum- blah, blah, blah. What has Trump said today? <laughs> <laughs> Are you done? I'm done. Can hey, I was, okay, I wasn't checking. Okay? I wasn't, I, I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> checking Twitter. Okay. That's not what I was doing. My favorite thing in the world is to make him self-conscious about something that I really don't give a shit about. <laughs> <sighs> No, seriously, he's back on it again. Jesus Christ. I'm not checking Twitter. Do you want to finish your I'm message? I'm done. I'm done. No, okay? I finished it. I'm done. You all right? I'm done. Okay. All right. I'm trying to think who's important in your life that you have to message right now. I'm here. <laughs> I'm messaging you. I wish you would respond. See, that one made me look bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, Steve. Ooh, are yes. you ready yes, to master. go into what I think was supposed to be a horror movie but this not it, ever really a horror movie no not so much no it's what could be a great body horror movie but they never bothered to go that no route. they don't really interested in that part are they not so they much. don't seem to be interested in anything i don't know what the point of this what, movie fucking what was is even was... happening in this movie i mean they kept a richard stanley script and it's shit i don't get it I mean, okay, fine. Brando didn't say any of the words, and neither did Val Kilner. So maybe it lost a lot. I don't know if we can use the word keep as far as his script goes. What I do know is when you had two human actors talking to one another, it was filled with huge, weird pauses (laughs) for no particular reason. And I think it's people trying to remember what to say. Well, because Brando's Brando's uh, his his radio earpiece would malfunction. Yeah, he'd be waiting. I'm just waiting for, for the his, line. Excuse me. My my assistant uh, needs to. <laughs> yes, what? I'll remember. Where are you? <laughs> Queensland. I'm hearing a voice in my ear. That's your uh, what? Mar- Marlin. <laughs> <laughs> let's go into yeah. let's land our dinghy oh on boy. the island of Dr. Moreau Steve uh-huh. take it okay. away so, I have to check my twitter go ahead I don't give a fuck dear Mr. Wolfman how are you doing <laughs> yes I tried the recipe it was excellent eggplant eggplant happy face Steve, what does eggplant emoji mean? Oh, again? you don't want to know. I did it two times oh. with Mr. Wolfman. Um, what did he say? I'm waiting for a response. He hasn't responded yet. Well, oh, you, it's you, one of the poo. You'll be sure to let it's me know what he emo- says. It's a poo poo emoji. Down thumb. That's not good. Is that good? No, that. Mm. Hey, how about we just do I- eh. improvised comedy with these characters instead of doing this fucking film? <laughs> um, so here's what happens, right? Okay. Um, at the beginning, of the, this movie begins at what seems to be the end of a much more interesting movie. You think it kind of? It kind of does, right? Because we, we meet our, our hero, Edward Douglas, who is the, the, the David mm. Thewlis character, and he's in a life raft in the middle mm-hmm. of the ocean... With two yep. other guys, because he was on a plane that crashed. So he's in the middle of the ocean 
and this life raft with these two other guys who are fighting each other over the last little bit of water. And they fall overboard and drown, apparently. Like, they just, they're gone. And it's like, oh, shit. Yep. That's the yeah, end. Yeah. But no, he's laying there in the lifeboat. And he uh, he's drinking his he's pee. He's drinking his pee. He's having a nice long thought as he sprays it directly into his <laughs> he's mouth. He's getting good at it. He had to practice at first to hit the target, but now he's like really yeah, good at it. Except now it's coming out like syrup. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> and <laughs> and he's like, you know, it's the worst part of this is that I can't show this to anybody. Like I've I've learned this <laughs> I've learned this new skill, and now it's just it's for nothing. <laughs> I should take a selfie if those are even a thing yet. <laughs> um, and he uh, he gets picked up. He gets picked up. He gets by picked a up by a boat. It's a miracle. Yay. A boat picks him up, and he loses consciousness yeah, a lot. He loses consciousness, and he wakes up on the boat, and he's like, un, you know, in, un, underneath in, in the in the hold, and uh, there's a guy there with him who is kind of tending to him, and this guy that's Doctor Montgomery. Montgomery. This yeah, and this is Val yeah. Kilmer, and uh, he has a good line where you know he's like checking him out and giving him fluids and stuff, and uh, Douglas says, "Are you a doctor?" And he says, mm, more like a vet. And then, he, and then the, and then the, the yeah. scene immediately cuts to the next scene. Um, yeah, that's great. It's hilarious. And he loses consciousness some more because he injects him full of drugs and some hallucinogens. Because he wants to get across that he's 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 not all He's there. a little unethical, in, you know, medically speaking. He's like the worst drug dealer ever. <laughs> Here, try this. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you just inject it in my body? <laughs> anyway, so we uh, get more yeah, of he, the boom. Well, they 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 um they they offload they they get off the boat because they have to go Montgomery's on his way to Moreau's Island is what he says. Right. And he says And they said the people were going to take him to Java. Right, right. But but now no, you got to get off the boat with me because of gay panic. Oh, yeah, because the captain really likes you. Yeah, you, yeah, you know what that get means. It, wink. The captain, he wants your butt, and if you get back on the boat, he's going to have that butt. <laughs> and you don't want that because normal guys don't don't want to get in the butt. I, this movie could have ended had had. Um, That's every man's worst uh, nightmare. Ed, if Douglas had been like, "Oh, really? I like him too." <laughs> could you could you slip him this note? Do you think he likes me like for real? Are you being serious right now? Would Kilner suddenly change tactics? <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, sure, the butt stuff would be great, but then he's going to cannibalize you, <laughs> I guess. Awesome. <laughs> great. I've always had a fantasy about that. Are you saying that I'm going to get two things met? I, I'm staying here. I'm not, you're, nothing can get me off this boat now. <laughs> uh, no, but they... <laughs> he ties himself to the boat. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Uh, Whoopee. No, but they, they stop at Moreau's Island, and Douglas gets off with him, and one of the uh, items that they take off the boat is this crate full of rabbits. Yeah, it's more of a cage. Okay, yeah, it's like it's like a like it's a not little... like an acme box of rabbits. It says rabbits on the side, stamped on the side. Um, we can see the rabbits. Yeah, it's like it's yeah, it's like a cage, and uh, yeah. he puts the cage onto the back of like a jeep, and they're driving through the the jungle, and he's giving him the backstory on the island uh, about how like you know the Americans bought it after World War II, and then the Japanese bought it from the Americans, and they tried to open a and they were going yeah they. They tried yeah. to open and a hotel. And then it was bought and... by this crazy, crazy Scottish billionaire that wanted to, you know, 
put dinosaurs on it, but then he found another <laughs> one, and that was was better. <laughs> and then this this insane uh, Latin American man came, and he had this like little tiny sidekick, and he said this would be perfect for my fantasy <laughs> island. But then he found another one that was closer to Hawaii, so yeah. he didn't take it. So you know. You know, then we had a number of villains. There were obvious villains. One was petting a cat. <laughs> <laughs> it's been through several layers of ownership, in other words. They wanted an active volcano when we don't have one. So. Uh, yeah. So, then Moreau bought it. And then Moreau bought it, and he's been here ever since. And um, they talk about how uh, Moreau, has, Moreau works in animal research. And, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, I think this is... He's a geneticist. He's a geneticist. And I think it, this is the point where Montgomery says, you know, he had to leave the United States because the animal rights people got so bad that... Uh, I forget. Yeah. yeah. You know, basically, like, you know, the, he, he, he wasn't allowed to pursue mm-hmm. his research the way he, he, he wanted there to. There was an incident where he just basically parked a wood chipper in front of his bio labs and just started <laughs> chucking animals in it, screaming, this is science, every time he threw one in. This is science. This is science. Boom. <laughs> 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 Luckily, we were we got there in time before he started backing the giraffe into it, which you know probably would have destroyed the wood chipper. But you know that's and just, it was it was the poor and it was rented. The poor elephant just got dragged in by the nose and just stopped. <laughs> the wood chipper was rented, and we didn't pay extra for the insurance, so it's a good thing that we stopped yeah. him. Um, so after that, we figured an island. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, so you know he uh, he uh, Montgomery takes him like I guess to the main house. And he says, I'm going to... At first, he drops off the rabbits. Oh, that's true. Yes, he drops off the rabbits. Um, into a hutch where there are some other into rabbits. Into a hutch. And, he pick, and, and uh, Douglas is like, you know, getting all nostalgic because he's like, oh, you know, I had a pet rabbit when I was a kid. And unfortunately, it died due to my own neglect. And I feel bad about that. And while, he, mm. while he's talking, Montgomery is cradling... I left it on a frying pan. <laughs> While he's talking, Montgomery is like holding a rabbit, going, "Uh huh, story, yeah, good. You, you had a pet rabbit, you know, you feel bad." And he breaks the rabbit's neck. And yeah, and, and then he hands him the dead and he hands rabbit. him the dead rabbit, and he's like, "Oh." Thanks. And one of the rabbits got away. Yeah. from the hutch. One of them ran away. Hey, Steve. That's that's going to be important hey, Steve. later. Yes, Steve. yes, yes, yes. What are they using these rabbits? I for? have no fucking idea. Why did he need to import rabbits from the mainland? I don't to put into a hutch in the middle of nowhere, nowhere near the house. No, <laughs> none of it. We turns out later, no one eats meat. No, what so are they using these rabbits why for? Are the rabbits there? <laughs> He's a rabbit farmer. He needs to raise money for his research somehow. But they don't eat meat. I don't know. Still. I don't know. What are they selling the rabbits for? For pet rabbits. Aren't they cute? Come to Doctor Moreau's rabbit. Rabbits, rabbits, rabbits. If you want a rabbit for experimenting or eating or both, come. Mmm, boy, Dr. Moreau's fresh rabbit. Get it today at Safeway. It's two, two pounds for $5,000 for imported rabbit today meat. today at Safeway. That have not been eaten by any of, none of my mutants have touched it. What do you mean don't mention the mutants in the commercial? Why can't I One, mention the mutants? 100%. Untouched by mutants, rabbit me. <laughs> and non-GMO. <laughs> As a picture of him and his little mini-me yeah. on, the, on the package. Uh, Guaranteed fresh three weeks ago because we gotta ship it. Because we're in the middle of we the goddamn ocean. That's why he's creating these animal creatures so that they can work in the rabbit mill. <laughs> I need employees for my rabbit farm. <laughs> the rabbit business is tough. It's hard to keep good people. (laughs) 
That's why they can't eat meat. It's one of my rules. Don't eat the meat. Don't eat the rabbit. <laughs> I pay you in love. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, after the rabbit business, uh, they go to the main. Mm-hmm. They go to the main house, and Montgomery says, mm-hmm. "Just chill out here in this room, um, and I'm going to go tell Moreau you're here. So don't move." Yeah. And he's like, "Okay," and he immediately moves. Uh, and uh, no, he says, "Don't, don't stay here. Stay here." And then he locks locks the door. Well, no, this not not yet, not yet. He's this is he's. Oh, that's right. He's wandering. He's around wandering the around the house. He sees apparently Moreau has a Nobel Prize, which yeah, wow, for something. And and th- delicious rabbit meat. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then he looks out the window and he's. Well, now the Nobel Prize for. What's the for delicious rabbit meat? Who wrote we this in? We, that is not a category. Doctor Moreau. <laughs> he, he's hand carted up by his mutants. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank my mutants. I would like to thank the scientist lunatics in Stockholm for nominating me. <laughs> fucking scientist lunatics um yeah so he's checking out the nobel prize and just kind of snooping around and he looks out the window and there's a girl outside who's dancing around who's dancing yeah and and he's like oh i want some of that uh, yeah so but then she sees yeah and she's like oh 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 i'm a cat lady (laughs) this won't work out between us i have i have barbs in my vagina (laughs) you won't like it it won't be good. You will not enjoy it. Frankly, neither will I. Look I look really, really human until you get to that part. <laughs> um, I only get horny when I come into estrus, and then I can't shut up. <laughs> I'm constantly backing up into things. <laughs> the first time it, the first time you see me do it, it's kind of cute. Then it becomes annoying really fast. Yeah. There's not enough times you could fuck me to be make me be quiet. It's either I get pregnant or I get over it. <laughs> and it's every month forever. <laughs> and then Montgomery leads him to his room and, and locks him, him in. in and he says it's for your own good. Right. That night he gets yeah, out. Yeah, with using the <laughs> oldest trick in the book by just, you know, putting the newspaper under the door and pushing the key out. And then yeah, right. You know, because he's seen movies. What do you want from him? He's a veterinarian. He's, he's not a, like master hmm. locking up guy. Should I leave the key in the lock? Uh, I think it'll be okay. Oh. What do my drugs say? Red <laughs> for yes, blue for no. I think it's fine. Oh, thank you so much, talking voice. Anyway, <laughs> he gets out and he sneaks over into this room where there's there's no locked door. Yeah. And he he sees the miracle of life happening. Yeah, yeah. There's like a big goopy monster. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Giving birth to a little goopy monster. Right. And there's other and things. There's like there's like creatures in in like jars and stuff that have been preserved. It's basically like a mad science. And lab. that's where your nudity comes in is to see the tits of this goofy monster. Oh yeah, <laughs> hope you like seeing goofy monster tits because here they are. And she gives gives birth to a gooey monster, and then they see him. Right? Yeah. And he's like, and he runs away. And he runs into the jungle. Yeah. And he's running through the jungle, and he comes upon what? Uh, Is this where he comes upon the... No, no, he he finds uh, Aisa, the girl that he saw dancing, right? Uh, or, no, yet. he sees uh, one of the one of the other creatures, right? The 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 mean yeah. one out in the woods. Yeah, the mean one. <laughs> you know the one. What... <laughs> it's the cheetah uh, guy. Lomai. Lomai. Yeah. And she's like, "Quick, we I want to get off the island with you. Let's go. You got a boat, right?" And then they run to the boat, and then he gets captured again. Right. And he gets brought back into the house, 
and he meets all of the servants, right? And he meets a bunch of people who look like half-made-up wolfmen. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Basically. I mean, there's Azazelo, a delicious Italian-flavored ice. And Miling and the little tiny one as Magi. And he's like, he has a freak out. He starts screaming, even though the beast people are being very polite. There's, yeah, they seem fine. They seem fine, but he screams at them like they're going to, you know, try to suck his dick yeah. or something. And they're not. They're just wearing tuxedos. Saying, uh, how, just being how normal. You at your service. Yeah, just, yeah. just being normal. And, and Moreau is like, now listen. Meat production has gotten crazy with all of the rules and regulations. I just want to. I just want to serve the people grass-fed rabbit. The best rabbit I can possibly make. Produced by mutants. <laughs> what is his reason for doing this? I, what is it? It's some half-baked horseshit about. Um, like wanting to breed out the bad characteristics in humans and like combine right. them with By, animals. And yeah, he, he goes and they go into this whole spiel about how. Like if he can produce a perfect human from an animal, then he'll be able to produce a perfect human from a person, right? Where they won't have any violence. In yeah, them, that's the idea. Or anything like that. Sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then do they have they have dinner? Yeah, right. Yeah, and everyone is getting vegetarian food, right. except for except for uh, Douglas, who gets the rabbit. Yeah. that the dude. Killed. Yeah, and everybody freaks and out. And all of the animals are like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and uh, it looks good. You <laughs> can I have? I'm surprised one of them didn't start begging at his at his at his lap. Just looking at him, looking at the plate, looking like, at him, please. looking at the plate again. <laughs> We're animals. We're not supposed please. to be vegetarians. Please be a messy eater. Yeah. And so, <laughs> um, and so they find out. And and so of course Morrow has a freak out because they're all vegetarians. Yeah. And then he tells them we're gonna have a no. Oh, we missed a whole bunch. So after we missed the bit with the sayer of the law, the yeah. yeah, they run into this. They run into the camp where all of the animals live, and he sees even more freaky animals. And then they take the slowest elevator on the face <sighs> of the earth down to where the sayer of the law is. They spend two minutes there while the sayer of the law says part of what the laws are for the animals, and then they take the elevator back up and um, now it's daytime. Yeah. Wow, they <laughs> and, were under there a long time. I know, and then and that's when Moreau shows up then, for the first time. Yeah, Moreau shows up for the first time, and how is how is Moreau dressed? Uh, he's dressed all in white and like mm-hmm. robes, um, and he has his face is painted completely white. He's like on a pope. He's being carried, yeah, on like a sedan. He's, yeah. No, oh no, no, yeah, you're right. It is like, like a pope. He's, si- he's sitting like up in the back of it, but yeah, it's yeah, it's like I a pope know, mobile. Gi- yeah, gigantic bamboo throne, yeah. and he's got white all over his yep. face because he's allergic to sunlight. No, it's because in long shots, Marlon Brando doesn't have to be in the scene. Oh, oh, that's the reason. But in the movie, it's because he's yeah. allergic to sunlight. Oh, fuck the movie. <laughs> it's because Marlon Brando didn't want to leave his trailer for long shots. And so you can easily stick anybody yeah. for long shots into that part because he's got these huge sunglasses and white all over his face and his entire body is covered. What he says was he's allergic to sunlight. Like he's you are, you know. Sunlight. He's, he's allergic to sunlight. Yeah, that's yeah. why he covers his. That's why he paints himself in, in in white. He calls it medicine. 
And moved that's why to I the wear tropics. this medicine. And he, that's why he moved to the tropics, right? For, because he hates the sun, exactly. Yeah. Right. Anyway, he yeah. says them. Then they have dinner. He has a freak out. He says, tomorrow we're going to have a trial, right? He says, yeah. we're going to have a trial. So we're back to Animal Town. And <laughs> it's just Animal Town, Jake. Right. And they're saying, someone has broken the law. Someone has eaten meat. It was someone, one of them ate one of the rabbits, right? Yeah, that's and right. You see, you see Cheetah Guy, and he's next to Hyena Pig. And he's uh, he and hyena pig's like shut up, shut up, be quiet, man. I swear. <laughs> Don't you and sew me up? A hyena man is like, fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he runs. He runs at uh, at Moreau, but Moreau's got a thing. He's got a necklace, and he yeah. pushes one of the buttons, and they and and he falls down, and the electric because all it, it, it of shocks the animals, him, yeah. all of the animals have implants that shock them. And, you know, the uh, Loma is like, please kill me. Why did you do this? What, what is the point of all of this? I don't enjoy my life. Uh-huh. And, um, and uh, Moreau pardons him or forgives him or whatever, right? Because he's like a god. Yeah. He, yeah. But, but then... But then... Shoots him with a bolt gun in the head yep. and kills him in front of everybody. And surprise! And Moreau is like, "Oh, why did you do that?" And also, more importantly, who gave you that gun? <laughs> what have you just been carrying that around this whole time? It's not. You're a bad dog. <laughs> and of course, as as Azazo looks to Val Kilner, who looks around, and it's obvious that Val Kilner is the one that gave him the bolt gun. Right. And yeah. As 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 says, I did it because he broke the law. I, I'm a good. I'm a good dog, not a bad dog. How I'm a good dog. And he's like, oh, boy. And then they chuck the body into the furnace. <laughs> <laughs> and hyena pig is like really sad. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. His name's hyena swine. Hyena swine. Um, excuse me. Right. <laughs> he pulls out hyena swine's skull and looks at it for a little while. And then he pulls out one of his ribs and notices there's a little something on that rib. It's the, he huh. finds the he finds the implant and he's like, what's this? Yeah, there's a little something. I wonder if we all have that. And then he feels around on his ribs and he goes, oh, I got one too. And then he rips it out of his body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we get to watch. Yeah. While he rips it out. The next day, Montgomery is on his rounds with uh, with I guess Douglas just hanging around and they keep saying, oh, don't worry, we'll call, we'll we'll make a radio call. Right, we'll I just need to fix it. And, the radio is the radio is broken. I just need to fix it. Yeah, one of the yeah. shipping, one of the sh- one of the the cargo vessels needs to come and pick up all of this rabbit meat. It happens like every once every two weeks. <laughs> you know, rabbit meat is better when it's been aged a little bit, and that's what we're calling it. We're calling it a Dr. Moreau's aged rabbit meat. It's it's good. It's good. That's what that smell is, by the way. <laughs> but he's out in his jeep and he's giving drugs to all the animals because if they don't get their drugs, they revert back to animals, huh, Steve? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they need to, they need are, their treatment. Yeah, there are women there that are pigs, mm-hmm. which appear to be the only females other than the cat lady, who we don't know is a cat lady yet. It's probably just a coincidence. It's probably just a coincidence, and they've got multiple boobies, so they kind of look like the ugly dancer. I'm not going to say that. The other dancer from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> The other dancer. Yeah, and he's giving them drugs because they like drugs. And he says, yeah, it has all the stuff they need and also hallucinogens because I'm a prick. And so we get to watch <laughs> animal evil. people. Yeah, animal people having a freak out. 
And then he says, that guy didn't come and get his drugs. And they look over there, and and, and it's Hyena Swine. Yeah. And Hyena Swine says, look what I got. <laughs> and Montgomery's like, oh, shit. Fuck me. <laughs> that's, not, that's not good. And he tries to dart him, but he's run off, hasn't he? Yeah. Okay, and so uh, then, they and then they tell they they tell I think what they tell Moreau about it and they and they he tells uh, Azazello to go get him to be like go yeah and go he's find like we're him. getting to go on a hunt and he's like yes you get to go on a hunt oh, <laughs> oh yes <laughs> thank you thank you and he you. runs off and he runs off yeah then what I don't remember um, I don't remember <sighs> <laughs> we're both like and then fucking shit with man, animal people i don't know is this it, the scene no there's the scene where aren't uh there's a scene the, it's near this where where douglas and uh um the one who who uh, uh oh Mei-Ling. maling the one who got his lines cut they're like trying to yeah. fix the radio and then Mei-Ling Mei-Ling says, i know how to use the radio i've i've, I've read i'm intelligent i yeah. know how to do it and Montgomery shows up with like the missing piece, like on, on top his of his head, and he's like, "You won't be able to get it to work without this." And neither one of them just grab it off the top of his head. No, he just he has it on go. top of his head for the whole rest of the scene. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and then there's isn't there some kind of scene between Douglas and the cat lady? Yeah, this and isn't is this no that not uh, he doesn't find out yet I don't think does he that, that she's reg- that she's regressing because like she needs a serum to keep her looking like a human and if she doesn't get it she turns back into a cat. Lady. We don't know until the ice buckets. That doesn't happen until later. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Somewhere in there, there's a scene in which, <laughs> in which Magi and Moreau play piano together, and Magi has a tiny little piano, and he has a big piano. Yes, that yes, yes. At some point. And then there's the, I think it's, I don't know how much time they spend with it. She's, there's a scene where she's fascinated by his hands, right? She yeah, says, you right. Have perfect hands. And he's like, I'm going to get some of this. Oh, oh shit. Oh, she <laughs> might be a cat lady or a beast woman. I don't care. And that's about it. It's not memorable. There's no reason for their connection other than she wants off the island and he has perfect hands. As near as I can tell. It's the well, but right? it's the it's the basis of any strong relationship, really, if you think about it. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> hyena swine has gotten some bro bros together. That's right. He's he's gathering an army of freaks. Yeah, he, he, they got. Uh, I can't remember which one it is, but I'm going to say it's Bebop. They got Bebop from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Rocksteady. And Rocksteady. <laughs> there is no rhinoceros man on the island. Fuck it. Rocksteady's in there. And fuck it, one of the turtles. Beast Man from He-Man is there. <laughs> fuck it. Fuck it, Fuzzlore, too. Well, they they would love there. it here. They would love they, it here. They'd love it. <laughs> Roll around in your own filth. They'd love it. If I find Beast Man on that island one more time? <laughs> so they've all torn out their thingies. Yeah. That's bad. That's, that's real bad. bad. That's Well, It's yeah, it's bad for somebody. <laughs> And so they show up at the house. Uh-huh. And uh, Moreau is like, oh, hi, everybody. How's, yeah. how's stuff? He tries to play it cool. Yeah. Yeah. Tries to play music. Get it? Because music soothes, soothes the savage. Yeah, it doesn't work, though. When Actually, the correct one is savage breast. It's, it's supposed to be about human, not savage beast. It's about. basically the same thing. You though, can you play know. all the fucking music you want to an angry lion. It's still <laughs> going to kill you. It doesn't care. No one whips out a boombox and starts playing my eyes from, from fucking... Or your eyes from Peter Gabriel. Oh, and the, my and God. And goes, oh, fucking forget it. Never mind. I was the lion is like, something. oh, that's so pretty. <laughs> 
there was no time that at any point that Hooper tried to drop uh, underwater microphone uh, speakers into the water to calm the shark down in Jaws. <laughs> We're going to blast Adagio for strings under there and really bum him out. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> We, we played Ride of the Valkyries and just pumped them up. Killed like <laughs> that was a people. mistake. Was that was, we should not have done that. <laughs> anyway, they break in. That doesn't work. They're asking a whole bunch of questions like, why the fuck did you do do, that, do this to us? Yeah, like, why? why, why yeah, why does they, uh, he says, like, you know, uh, why does why does the law have to bring pain? And if there is no more pain, is there does that mean that there's no more law? And it's like, oh, shit, he's figuring things out. <laughs> So he picks up his little <clears throat> necklace because he thinks he's got them all where he wants them. Right. And he's planning to send them all to the House of Pain to teach them a lesson. And he presses the button mm-hmm. and they go, dude, we figured that shit out a long time ago, didn't we? <laughs> We're way ahead like, of you. <laughs> and they sh- he's still carrying around his little, his little implant. And that's when, um, you know, Marlon Brando poops his pants. He keeps pushing mean, the button. I don't mean the character. I said Marlon Brando pooped his pants. Oh. I'm just leaving it there. I think I think my character would poop his pants at this point. <laughs> so that's what I did. Um, yeah, I'll just sit in it. No one can... S- <laughs> but then they're like, fuck you, dude. And they kill oh, They killed the shit out of him. Right. And now... With him dead, they have a funeral for him, don't they? they yeah, they do. They, 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 uh, they burn him. They burn him up, just yeah. like just like Lomai. Yep. And now Montgomery's in charge. He's like, oh boy, I can do my Marlon Brando impression. And they're looking all over for him, and they find him with this, where the say of the law would be, and he's dressed up like Marlon Brando now. Yeah, and he's having a ball. He's having a great time. And yeah, and he's giving people drugs, and they're all having sex. So if you yep. guys wanted to see a scene where a bunch of beast people have sex, just like in the book, <laughs> and I know then, you did, then this is the movie for you. Mm. But at some point, Azazel does Azel Dazzle Azel Azel Dazzle Azel Dazzle shows up. Yep, and shoots him. <laughs> oh. Azzle dazzle doozle, why'd you do that? Because he's done too. He's like, fuck this. Like, I'm, this is over. I'm sick of this. Mm-hmm. So then it's all chaos. Uh, hyena swine shows up and he wants guns. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And then they get guns and they're shooting them all over the place. And then they shoot Azzle, Basil, Dazzle, Pop. And now he's dead. And they shoot. They're just, they're crazy. And then and hyena, they kill. Uh, uh, Azazello kills Aisa at some point too. Oh, that's right. Okay, so that's right. He kills Aisa. She turns all cat lady and she starts making funny cat sounds. And um, she's like clawing at him and stuff and then he hangs her. Yeah. Right? Yep. We we can see a baby splurt out of a mutant vagina, but we can't see her hang. <laughs> I know. We just see the shadow. Yeah. How artistic. Yeah. Anyway, so then they take him. And they they drag him in front of hyena man, and he says, "I'm I'm I'm God. Say I'm God." And he says, "You're God." And he's like, "So oh, it didn't do it for me." Say I'm God. <laughs> he's like, "Fine, Jesus, you're God. You're God." Who's Jesus? I don't want to get into it. Right like now. it's complicated. <laughs> I'll tell you later. Yeah, it's super complicated. And he's like, and then and then Douglas gets super crafty, right? Yeah, oh yeah. And he says, "Ah, you might be God." But are you God number one? And he's like, wait, I'm having trouble <laughs> that, with concepts. Okay. You're complicating the theology. I, there, what is? What does God number one even mean? 
And then he implicates his other partners and says, well, if they want to be God, right. they're going to only be a God number one. And he goes, oh, I got it. <laughs> so it's like and a pantheon. He, yeah, and then he shoots he shoots the other gods, and then he runs out of bullets. Yeah. And since he's not God and can conjure more into his holy machine gun, the other animals beat him up. Yep. They beat him up, and he gets up, and he walks into one of the burning buildings screaming, why? Right? Because that, yeah. that'll make us think. Sure. Whoa. Oh boy, <laughs> it's all so it's all so pointless, huh? The end. No, it's not. Well, almost, pretty much. Almost. Yeah. So now he's down and he's gonna take a boat and he's gonna he's gonna leave the island, and yeah. and little monkey dude's like, don't leave, don't leave. We want you to stay. And he's like, I'll come back and bring help. And the sayer of the law is like, don't bother. <laughs> yeah, just go. <laughs> Let me. Let me get this straight. The only guy who knows how to do this to us is dead, and I'm fairly certain there's not a scientist in the world that want to touch us with a 10-foot pole, but sure, sure you'll bring back help. You're, yeah. you're, we'll you're see sitting you soon. off in the middle of the South Pacific in a little boat. You're going to be raft. dead in two weeks. Yeah, in a yeah. Raft. You're going to be dead, and um, yeah, so, you know, the nice gesture, but it's not necessary. We're just going to revert back to animals, because four legs is better. That's what he says, right? Yeah, because they've been, yeah, exactly. Like, the whole the whole purpose of the law was that they were supposed to act like people, not animals. And now that right. Moreau and Montgomery are dead, he's like, ah, we're going to be animals. I think we're good. I mean, most of us are, like, in withdrawals withdrawals because uh, Montgomery really loaded us up but you know <laughs> we're mostly addicts at this point we're gonna return back to animals and some of us are gonna get killed by others but we won't have the burden of humanity on us it's a thing don't just please leave just, just leave. go just go you're you're weird and ugly and we don't want you around anymore no more people on the island we're good <laughs> And he gets on his boat and he has a little monologue. Oh, yeah, about how, you know, are, are we really so different from the creatures on that island? And Yeah. Mm -hmm. He says he's setting off in fear. That's his final words that, you know, he's... Which he, is kind of related to the book, but yeah. not really. Yeah. When he, gets, when he gets picked up in the book, he tries to tell people about Moreau, but they think he's mad. So he feigns amnesia and doesn't talk about it to anybody. And he does live. He is... He, what he writes is he's living in constant fear around people because he always is afraid that they're going to degenerate into animals at some point because he has PTSD. And he, he, they didn't have a name for it back then, but that's, that was the thing. The end of this god-awful fucking movie. <laughs> oh, that's really the end? Gosh. I, Did you want more? Did you I want fish I people? <laughs> oh, man. The underwater <laughs> paradise of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> well, they're cool. They're perfectly happy. Yay. That's why he wanted to be a porpoise. Hey, Steve, how do you feel about this movie that totally went off the rails and no one could find the rails to put it back on again? <laughs> um, have you ever watched a movie and wished that it was worse? Yes. Um, because that's, that's the reaction I had to this movie, actually. I, I, I had not seen it before. I knew it by reputation, and I knew based on that reputation, or at least I, I hoped based on that reputation, that it would be this over-the-top, just completely bonkers, can-you-believe-this-shit 
kind of movie. You know better than yeah. that. Bad is bad on this show. Yeah, I know. I should have. I should have known. But I was. I was hoping, and there were indications early on that it might go in that direction. I was hoping it would turn into something like The Room or like Troll Two or something, where it'd be like, "Oh shit, can you believe this?" Right. Right. Um, and that didn't happen, and I was disappointed when I didn't get that movie. Mm. Um, this is not a good movie at all. Nope. It's also not the holy shit you've got to see this to believe it bad movie like no. this the epically bad movie that a lot of people kind of seem to think it is or, or talk about it as though it is yeah um but it is closer to being that than it is to being a good movie so i kind of wish that it had just I, I wish that it had just been worse because if it was worse that would have made it better if that makes sense see what i'm saying um, no i mean there's you know the axiom that i use be yeah. good be bad but don't be boring exactly and that's you know, that's exactly what I think this movie's greatest shortcoming is. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's that's the worst thing I can say about it is that it's just mostly kind of dull. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah. D- Douglas, the, the, the David Thewlis character, supposedly the protagonist, mm-hmm. but he isn't really given all that much to do other than just kind of wander around and look at stuff. And, and David Thewlis, the actor, who is a fantastic actor, isn't given much to play other than mm-hmm. judgmental disgust. You right. know, and and or, very yeah. and and various types of frustrated screaming. You know, like he finds out the radio doesn't work. He's like, ah, you know, like that's yeah, that's and all. He, he smashes gets. the radio so that there's no way anyone's calling anybody. Yeah, um, and this and you can say the same thing for Brando as Moreau. I mean, he's just kind of there for the most part. And he didn't give a shit. Yeah, there <clears throat> there there are a few moments with Brando of like of inspired goofiness, like the bit with the piano where he's playing the piano and his mini me is like playing the little the tiny piano on top, and they're wearing the same. How about clothes. his? How about his fun teeth that he's his, wearing? Yeah, he, yeah, he's he's wearing fake teeth for some reason, um, and uh, you know, and his costumes are ridiculous. And we already mentioned the ice bucket hat. Uh, but right. yeah, mostly Brando. He just seems he just seems bored. He just seems like he's he's there to do what he's contractually required to do, and that's it. The most frustrating thing about Brando, despite all of the radio headsets and cue cards and everything else, is that underneath it all, he's a really good actor. Oh, he's a fantastic actor, and he doesn't give a shit anymore. Yeah, that's infuriating. He's yeah, even at this stage in his life, Marlon Brando is one of the greatest actors in the history of film. I mean, and and he and he had the potential to be, I mean, throughout his life, you know, at this stage. But, yeah, you're right. He just he wasn't interested. He didn't care. Um, Yeah. So the only member of the cast who seems to be having any fun at all or to know how fucking ludicrous this all is, is Val Kilmer. Yeah, because he didn't give a shit either. Because he didn't give a shit either, but he gave, he he didn't give a shit in a way that translates on screen as entertaining. Um, he may have been a nightmare to work with. I I know that he was, um, and there's no excuse for that kind of behavior on the set. But his performance is far and away the best part of the movie. Um, he goes over the top. He chews the scenery. He acts like exactly the sort of weirdo who would want to live and work on this island. He's always mm-hmm. doing things in his scenes that just make it interesting or make it goofy or weird. Um, and then just when his character is reaching the peak of his insanity and the movie seems like it's positioning for this climactic confrontation between him and and uh, Douglas, the David Thewlis character, just when things look like they're about to reach their peak, he gets killed off. Yep. 
And instead, we get Thulis's protagonist facing off against two of the mutants, uh, Azazello and then, and then later Hyena Swine, both of whom get a decent amount of screen time, neither mm. of whom do anything all that interesting. I, I feel like Hyena Swine, in a different movie in a, or in a, in a different version of the story, Hyena Swine could have been the protagonist. Because yeah. because he has the character arc where he discovers that they've been controlled and manipulated, and now he's throwing off the shackles and you know asking his father, his God, for explanations and why does it have to be this way? Like that that's potentially a really interesting story. Um, mm-hmm. But as it is, he's just a supporting character that I know I'm supposed to care about, but I just don't like. I, I mean, the problem is is that there's a, an attempt at an allegory, but it's not f- yeah. fleshed out enough for no. it to be strong. The movie you know doesn't I mean? care that much about it. Yeah. It's just kind of there, and it almost feels like they, it's, well, we need to give Hyena Swine something to do, <laughs> you know? And it's yeah, like, exactly. Oh. Um, and there's, and it's the same thing, it's, the same thing is true with most of the supporting cast, with uh, mm-hmm. Aisa, the Feruza Balk character. She also potentially could have been the protagonist of a different version of the story. But mm-hmm. instead, she gets even less to do besides just kind of hang around and be a half-ass love interest. Um, yeah. You know, there's they, they attempt to inject some drama into her story when, you know, it turns out that they regress back into animals if they don't get their treatments. And she's like really right. worried about, you know, regressing back into an animal. Um, and they explore that a little tiny bit, but it never really gets paid off. And then they just kill her. Nope. And it's like, oh, yeah. OK, so that's 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 over with. Um, the script is garbage. The direction is bad. I mean, Frankenheimer is a legendary director, but mostly it feels like he just wants to get this done. (laughs) You know know what he did? He worked it so that he could get a two-picture deal. He agreed to do it for a set amount of money and for two pictures. Oh, okay. And so he used it to his advantage. He said, I can get this if I do this. He regretted it, but he still (laughs) But it was a good idea. It It was a good idea. But yeah, I mean there there are and there are shots in here that just seem so basic and functional and artless that well, he they, wasn't trying to do anything he wasn't no, interested he, in the project to begin with that's what i'm saying you it know? feels like he just wanted to get it done he just wanted to get it yeah. in the can and just be like there i did the movie i mean because there there are parts of it that feel like it could have been shot by a first year film student or yeah. or brett ratner and i'm really not sure which one is more of an insult <laughs> um it's it's just it's it's a listless, confused, pointless movie who doesn't own, know what it wants to be. Doesn't know what it, it wants does. to be. And, and its only hope are these occasional tangents into delirious weirdness. And there just aren't enough of them to make it entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, it is definitely a train wreck. But it's the kind of train wreck where the conductor hits the brakes and then the train just kind of jumps the track. And then a few cars just sort of tip over on their sides and lay there. Yeah. <laughs> you right. know? So it's still technically a disaster, but it's not the spectacular kind that you were hoping no. for. That's that's this movie. It's a it really, no really Heaven's boring Gate. train wreck. It's no Heaven's Gate. Oh, my God, no. If only it were. If yeah, only it, it were. just became a money hole. Just an <laughs> absolute... That's what I wanted to be. I want it to be like this absolute spectacle of a disaster. Where you watch mm-hmm. it and you go, what the fuck were they thinking? This is right. absolutely outrageous, and it just doesn't hit that level. So, you know, there you go. Didn't I, I didn't care for it. Not recommended. Okay. So, allegory is a tricky thing, mm. and you need to be a very good writer in order to pull it off. It's based on a novel from a writer where allegory was everything. That was the reason why he wrote the stories that he wrote. Because social commentary is easier to swallow if you disguise it as science fiction. Nobody's doing that. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard of this. Is this something writers do? Great sci-fi is always allegory. 
Always. And they took this book that wasn't a horror story, that was, uh, you know, allegorical to what was happening in England at the time in regards to this section, but expanded it out to be about um, science's responsibility to be ethical in its pursuits. If you pursue this thing, what are the other things that can happen? In the case of the island of Dr. Moreau, his pursuit to change animals into humans for whatever reason he had had unexpected consequences. More of Moreau's time was spent trying to control the results of his experiment than on the experiment itself. He had to come up with a religion for the, for these creatures. He had to make sure that they were fed. He wanted to continue to study them. He needed, you know, if they started to revert back to animals, he wanted to know why. Mm-hmm. But um, what eventually happened, his experiment got out of his control and killed him. And then the rest of society in the in the form of uh, the uh, uh, Douglas character, has to deal with the aftermath, have to, has to deal with the pain and suffering that was caused, regardless of what his intention was. And he's always, Moreau, and no matter what version you've read, he always has some sort of good intention about improving mankind. Mm-hmm. That's, always, that's always the thing. I'm going to improve mankind, irregardless of the amount of suffering I cause. It's even stronger in the book. And that allegory is there. I can't tell you what the allegory is for this version of The Island of Dr. Moreau because I don't think the writer did. You know, he knew mm-hmm. that he knew what the quote-unquote book was about. There's a crazy man turning animals into people. That was it. <laughs> but I mean the the key and I think I said this to uh, in regards to maybe Plan 9. I don't know which movie it was. The key to making a movie so bad it's good boils down to the writer. And most of the movies that we look at where they're so bad it's good, the writer has no idea what he's doing, Mm -hmm. nothing makes sense, and the dialogue is so ridiculous that it makes you laugh out loud. Right. This script, everyone has to take everything seriously. Everyone has to be serious all the time. There's no jokes in this. There's nothing that is legitimately funny. We don't get any truly human moments unless they're quote-unquote important moments. Like, we we left this out in the... the, uh, summary but there he he wants to get more drugs for Aisa so that she will not revert back but Montgomery told him I've destroyed it all ha 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 and he runs to the lab to look for more even though Montgomery has already told him I destroyed him and what he discovers is is that while he was unconscious they took samples of his blood and they were going to use him in the course of experiments and for some reason this bums him out yeah he sits down on the floor and has this mopey moment because someone took his blood and intended to use it for something. Did they? Nope. Is the guy who could do it alive anymore? <laughs> nope. Nope. So this whole, yeah, he was going to use me to perfect the thing. And it's there for no reason other than they said, well, he ha- must have some sort of emotionally impactful scene. You know what would have been emotionally impactful? If he saw an animal strapped to a table that looked like him. That right. would be that would merit something along those lines, but they didn't do that. It was oh, he took his blood, which is I don't want to say it's lazy writing; it's just bad writing. He doesn't understand. If you want to shock people, you have to show them something shocking. What right. this guy thought was dark and shocking was a mutant giving a mutant with tits giving birth to another mutant. We were supposed to go, oh my gosh, but it just looked like a, a rubber muppet, yeah, you know, squ- <laughs> squirting out some more. Um, um, liquid latex, uh, pu- another liquid liquid latex puppet, <laughs> and there was nothing there. We, th- there was no the the animal was so exaggerated that we couldn't see any humanity in its face. 
right? Right. So maybe that was a failing of the of the of the special effects people, but it's also a problem with the writing. And he's trying this writer is trying so hard to make up some kind of point about humans are animals or animals are humans and all that stuff, which is fine if you want to draw it, you want to do that, but you have to do something stronger than actually having to have one of the characters say it out loud in a monologue at the beginning and the end of the movie. Yeah. And that's what he did, because, because the story wasn't strong enough for us to pick up on that. What happens on the island is a series of events. It does not lead into the larger thing that, that the director or whoever was trying to say. Now, maybe if Richard Stanley had directed it, it might be different. I don't think it could be because it was his script. Yeah, it's not the direction that's the problem. It's the script, right. yeah. If you can't tell your story visually, you have to rely on exposition, right? Sometimes that's fine. Sometimes trying to demonstrate something visually um, without exposition can be extraordinarily difficult to do. But in this case, a lot of the people say their stuff out loud, you know, and if they're not doing that, they're having very dramatic long pause scenes of dialogue that aren't dramatic and they shouldn't have long pauses in Right. Yeah. I went to see this movie because one, I'm a fan of the book, and two, I wanted to see the goofy monsters. <laughs> right. And I was not impressed with the goofy monsters, not at all. They looked pretty much like the same goofy monsters that I saw in the 1977 movie. Yeah. One of them, the pig guy, not 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 hyena swine, but the actual boar guy, literally just looks like he's wearing a mask. And a lot of the background ones look like they're wearing they're like masks and and with rags on them. Right. If you want this to be effective, you need to make sure that the animal people look a little bit like the animals that they're supposed to be like, right? And maybe if you wanted to point out their their torment, make them more tortured, make them more disfigured. The only one that truly makes me go, ugh, is Magi, because once his clothes are off, he's a mess. <laughs> and I don't know what he's supposed <laughs> And I don't know what he's supposed to be. He looks like a, he looks like a burn victim more than anything else. Yeah. He doesn't look like he's been an animal at some point. You know, give him a tail, do something. But that didn't happen. And so, while there's plenty of pauses for us to do a riff tracks of this. <laughs> <laughs> and there is one. Is there? Oh, yeah. Okay, good, good. And well, those big pauses are great to insert jokes or do whatever. The script is too dull and it's yeah. too straightforward. And it doesn't lend to being so bad it's good. No. You know, strip away almost all the money make it for a million dollars have some lunatic direct and write it and it could be maybe one of the funniest movies we've ever seen but instead it's just another disappointment like i said i think in this day and age the message about ethics especially when it comes to genetics is a movie that we need to see I'm tired of seeing ethical stories about robots, because that's what everyone's afraid of right now. And what they really should be afraid of are ethical stories about genetics. <laughs> and we're not getting them. And I, that's why I said it would make a great HBO series, like a six-episode six HBO series, where they could really dig deep into the, into the topics that something like this could bring up. And this movie's not interested in that. I honestly don't know what the movie is interested in telling us. Now, in the end, I hate it. It's boring. I hate it. Don't see it. Hey, Steve. Uh-huh? Do you have a movie you want to recommend instead of this piece of shit? <laughs> I do. I do, Great. actually. Great. Tell me, and maybe I'll go watch it. it well, um, it's a movie that you... Actually, we've already mentioned it uh, during, the course <gasps> of our, during the course of our revels. Um, Was it me? Did I give away oh, your no. leggy? <laughs> you ruined it for me, master. Oh, uh, 
You're always doing that. Um, I like it. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> to see the disappointment in your disfigured face. <laughs> I mean, the one eye just keeps staring blankly, but the other eye, oh, that's where the sweet spot is. Yeah, sure. The way my hump raises and lowers in resignation. I try not to look at your hump all that much. You don't like my hump? No, I don't. I don't. No. It's a fine hump. I like you from the waist down, not from the top up. You know that's you know that's why the women all love me because I can throw them a good hump. Wait, last year you said you're lonely and you are never going to find anybody. I was now apparently it. you're I... dripping with the honeys and you can't get rid of them. A lot can change in a year, master. I found my confidence. Okay, well, good. You I took got, my advice. Then. I got my groove back. Okay, good. <laughs> You're not dating club lo- clubfoot lady from the village, are you? Where moving, she has club feet on both feet. Moving on. And she has more like pinchers instead of hands. Uh, you, you know, she's even, got two things. You don't even One's know her. One's a flipper. You don't even know her, so just... <laughs> yeah, she's Edna. She's the sewer cleaning lady. She's, she's a beautiful person inside and out. Uh, I bet she's really... She's got to be <laughs> beautiful inside because... Whew, oh, boy. I've never seen an inside-out nose before. That's unique. It's part of her unique beauty, yes. Yes, it is. The way the light glistens off of all of her exposed mucous membranes. It's hypnotic. I'm happy for you. I'm, well, happy I'm glad. You. you should be. It's not a serious relationship. It's not a serious okay. relationship. It's all about sex. Well, I was going to say she can stay over if you want. I'm in the crypt at night. During the day, you can get it on all over the place. Whoa. Just so long as you mop up. Nah. Never With mind. her, I do mean mop. <laughs> She's leaky. With the nose thing, it, you know. It's, I know. She can't help it. She can't help it. Right, but between your drooling and, and her leaky, I'm just saying, put some towels down. Okay, I will put some towels down if it will make you happy. It, I'll be overjoyed. I'll do can a we, little jig. Can we please? If get... I can just once go into the kitchen and not go, oh, God. <laughs> what can I touch and what can't I touch? What is, what is safe to put in my mouth? <laughs> okay, it's a deal. Can we please get out of this bit? When you're uncomfortable? It's no, I just, I don't have an ending for it, Master. I don't know where it's going. <laughs> so you're afraid now that we're stuck feel, in it. I feel like we're stuck in it and we're just going to keep going around and around in circles. It's not All right, going to, well, I didn't stop you. You're the one that brought it up. not Jeez. going to go anywhere. This is me stopping. Okay. You can continue. Jeez, look. <sighs> so... Get upset because your girlfriend looks like an open-faced sandwich. Okay, that's out of line. Please don't ever I'm say sorry. that in front of her. <laughs> I can't tell which one is the front side. I'm just, I'm, when you tell me which part is the front side, I'll definitely I'm, not say it in front of that side. I'm just saying, okay, you can talk like this with us. We are bros, okay? This is fine. Okay. You this cannot, is bro, bro code. You cannot, you cannot say these things in front of her. All right. Okay. I won't. I, I said I promise. I'm waiting for you to give the movie that I'm you I'm going said to, away. okay? I'm going to. Okay, do it. Okay. I'm going to All switch right. to the other voice now. Okay. Okay, we're good. I'm, I'm fine. Okay. I'm already thinking about something else. Oh, well, I hope you do. I want a sandwich now. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie I'm recommending... <laughs> <laughs> One day we'll never come back. We'll never come back. It'll just end, and people will be like, what happened? Next episode, it's just us again and those characters. 
Except we're going to be using the internet from the insane asylums that they put us in. Yes. So the movie I'm recommending is actually a movie that we mentioned briefly earlier. And uh, it is the a, a previous adaptation of The Island of Dr. Moreau. I believe it was the first adaptation of this novel or of the, yeah um and it's it's uh, the island of lost souls which oh, which okay. which is uh, interesting for a couple of reasons you mentioned already that it does star bella lugosi in one of mm. his first post dracula roles uh, he is the sayer mm. of the law in this um yep. and also charles lawton as moreau um mm. and it uh and it's pre haze code yeah so you know it's it's so okay. lots of boobies kids <laughs> if you want to see the jiggling boobies of the hyena woman yeah the the panther woman oh the panther yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Boy. and um you know like like we said earlier it's not necessarily a great movie i don't think it holds up to steve's girlfriend's in it <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't necessarily hold up to uh, to the standard of some of the other horror movies from this era that we've reviewed. Like we nope. last time we did The Wolfman, and this is this definitely is not as good as The Wolfman. Um, no, but it's but it it's it has its moments, and it's good. And and Bela Lugosi is it's one of his better roles, other than Dracula, I think. Um, and he has a big monologue, you know, um, where he's like sort of reading Moreau the Riot Act. Uh, yes. And it's just, it's a really interesting movie. So it's not quite, you know, up to the standard of the best horror movies of this era, but it's a really, really interesting movie. It's a mm-hmm. hell of a lot better than that fucking thing we just got done reviewing. So mm-hmm. if you want to see another movie based on the same source material that is just a lot better and a lot more interesting and a lot more fun to watch, and also, I believe, about 20 minutes shorter, hey, hey. Uh, check out The Island of Lost Souls. That's my recommendation. Forgot to mention that that's one of the things about the island of Dr. Moreau is that it unapologetically believes in evolution. Yeah. At the time that it was written. Right. Because he's legitimately saying, see, we can turn animals into people and they have souls. Fuck you. Fuck (laughs) fuck you. (laughs) All right. It's my turn. Go. Now, as you guys know, I like to review, uh, recommend the film from the same year to the movie, the, the movie that we just did. You know the sentence. I say it almost every time. <laughs> I look for a movie from the same year as Island of Dr. Moreau, and I look for a horror movie, but they were all shit. Every single one of them were garbage. <laughs> so I had to move a little bit outside that's kind of related, but not. It's a personal favorite. It's a cult movie. It's basically just an episode of a TV show, but on the big screen. The movie that I'm going to recommend is MST3K3000, the movie. Oh, so Watch good. it. It's so good and it's so funny. It's very funny. He has funny. those little robots that walk around and they, they, they fight and stuff. And they watch this island Earth and it has mutants in it and they never say the word correctly. <laughs> Mutant. And they... They've got a guy that looks like Robin Williams and his forehead is really big when they don't suspect that he's actually an alien. It's so good. Anyway, go see that. It's really good. I promise you. There's no weird, goofy monsters or women who I can't tell which side I'm addressing. <laughs> okay, please, just drop it, okay? The more you talk about it, the more I worry that you're not going to be able to hold back when I bring her over next time. You're just trying to change the subject because now it's time for you to make a horrible choice. Oh. <sighs> 
again. Uh, psych, you don't have to make a horrible uh, choice. Oh, because because you messed up, and I already made the choice a few episodes That's right, ago. I <laughs> fucked up really hard, and I made you choose one, and then, oops, oh, oh, it's Halloween. So, the next time we meet, it won't be Halloween anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, we're going to review that movie that you chose, like, way back in whatever it was. September. The time is meaningless during COVID. <laughs> We're going to watch Doctor Strange Love, and then we're going to review it, right, Steve? That's the that's what the show is about. Yes, that's right. You just have to agree. You don't have to think about the we movie. We do. Yeah, we we watch the movie and your, we your mind it. is somewhere else. I described her sexy body, and now that's all you can picture in her head. Fit one of those club feet right in your mouth. <laughs> oh, Who makes me, her I shoes? <laughs> Anyway, we're going to do Doctor Strangelove. Ooh, and that's it. We're done. We're done with Halloween for late seating. This has been Jason. I better come up with a better metaphor than stuffing a cat into a mouse. How about the guy who is hovering behind you and is going to take his talons and scrape them across your face and then force you to date the clubfoot woman that lives in the village who's more terrifying than me, Harding? And see a movie this week. And this has been Steve. She's my girlfriend, and I love her, and I don't care what she looks like, Shives. <laughs> and Master, mm. do you remember what you said to me that morning when you came staggering in just before the sun came up and you were covered in blood and you smelled like whiskey? And I asked you what no. was the matter. You remember what you said to me? I know. You said, I was drunk. You looked me in the eyes, and just a moment before you collapsed into your crypt, you said... I have seen the devil in my microscope, and I have chained him. Did I say that? You said that. Did I come back from town? Yes. Was I in the sewers? I, I, from the smell, I think you were a little, yes. Okay. I think that was the first time I met your girlfriend. Damn you. <laughs> I can't help it. Damn you. <laughs> she looks like one of those one of those women you see in the movies when you're getting your dri- when you're taking your driver's ed class okay, and they're like, "Oh, let's do blood on the pavement." She's like one of those <laughs> after like a truck and a bus and a train I, hit somebody. Okay, listen. But I'm sure she's beautiful on the inside. Yes, she is. She I've, better be coated with goddamn diamonds. I have I I I have seen her on the inside. My head has been up there, and it's amazing. Oh, it is good breathtaking. Gravy. <laughs> oh. Well, we just managed to make everybody barf. So it's a scary show. Ooh. <laughs> it's a scary show. Everyone tried not to picture Igor's head crammed halfway up her honey, and we will not say halfway. Goodbye. Oh no, not halfway. <laughs> Yes, you wore her like a hat. Oh. No, you wore her like like a, a ski stocking. You just put her yes. all the way away. Oh, yes. Great. Mm. I changed my mind. No fucking in the castle. <laughs> <laughs> you take that to the woodshed where it belongs. It's fine. That's fine with me. We can scream all we want out there. Until next Halloween, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Seriously, we need to buy, like, sheets of plastic. Like, I need to buy it in bulk if this is going to keep going. I'll do it in the tool shed, I told you. Okay, but I don't want you getting splinters all over the you-know-where. Who has to take those out? I don't don't mind. Do you think I enjoy that? I don't. You don't? No, I don't. You've been lying to me all these years? I never once said, oh boy, I can't wait till you come back from the woods so I can pull splinters out of your penis. When did I ever say that? Well, if you didn't say it, who said it? Oh, no. 
Maybe there's a ghost. Oh no! A splinter pulling ghost. <laughs> Hold me close, Steve. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash lemmelisten. And thanks for listening.